it's, it's, its premise is pretty simple. It's about a family of superheroes that has been forced to live underground with their superpowers. And it's about how they navigate life with these superpowers. And so here in this scene, you've got Dash, who is the boy, and he is incredibly fast. He is so fast, you can't even catch him on tape. And yet he uses his super speed by just to put thumbtacks on his teacher's chair. I mean, it's a superpower that's completely wasted. And as I think about the Christian life, I think that so many Christian people have this incredible superpower from God that comes through the Holy Spirit, that comes because we are made in the image of God. And yet the superpowers that we have through Christ they go wasted so much in our lives. Or worse, they don't even get used. And so what I really want us to do through this series is to claim these superpowers that we have and to to live with them. Not, not hide them, not, not keep them under wraps, but to, to really lean into them and use them because God gave us those powers, those gifts, those abilities that we would use them and live with them. And as we begin this series... Uh, maybe the first superpower that we're going to talk about is one that is incredibly obvious and yet we never think about it. It's the ability to choose. It's the ability that we have to choose things. What an incredible gift that is from God to be made in his image. Think about how that sets us apart from the rest of the animal kingdom, if you will. You know, as humans, we have the capacity to, to put aside our urges, our desires, or what we might call instincts, and, and harness those so that way we can live according to a higher plan or purpose. I mean, for instance, I mean, we can, instead of just telling everybody what we think about them, we can keep that to ourselves. Many people don't choose to do that, but, but we can. You know, think about our desire for food. You know, we have the ability to not eat. We, we have the ability to choose to not eat for a higher purpose, whether that's fasting or, or some folks use it and they go on a hunger strike. They deny their body's, you know, urge and instinct and, and, and need in order to express and live out something that's a higher purpose. Uh, same thing's true with our sexuality. You know, we, we have this incredibly strong drive, and yet we can put that aside in order to live lives of, of committed fidelity or loving chastity. You, you see, friends, we have the ability to even choose to give up our lives for somebody that we love or for a purpose that we believe in. That is an incredible superpower that we have. And whether you're here this morning as a Christ follower or not, we have this capability to, to choose, to, to say no. And yet we live in a world that's incredibly, increasingly saying yes and is incredibly and increasingly more self-indulgent. We make it easier for us to say yes. Just this week, I downloaded the Chick-fil-A app. Oh my goodness, friends, it's changing my life, okay? I've only been there once, but I no longer have to wait in that line. I, I just, I feel sorry for all those people stuck in that line. I just come in, and it knows where I'm at at all times. And it says, you are in our parking lot. Would you like to check in? And I say, yes. I've only used this once, but the, I mean, the, the superpower it has is incredible. And I say, yes, I want you to know I'm here. And then I walk in and there's this guy behind the counter and he, it's like, he knows me. He doesn't know me, but he's like, are you Weston? I'm 
like my reputation precedes me, he said, and so does your order. And they're getting it together. It's waiting for me. Friends, it's so easy to eat Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's amazing. I, what, what kind of world? We live in the future. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And yet that doesn't do much for us with the self-control. You know, it, it, that doesn't help with the eating part. I mean, but think about all the things that we can get into, things we can stream on demand through, through the internet or through a TV service. I mean, there's all manner of things that we can get into. And, and increasingly, we find it hard to say no. We find it hard to actually choose. We keep just sort of going with the impulse, going with the urge, and yet we have this superpower to choose. We have this incredible superpower to focus on our responsibilities and not our privileges. And that's the message Paul's got for the church at Corinth there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And that's going to be our text this morning. You see, the city of Corinth where Paul, an early church leader and thinker, he planted this church in Corinth. And this city was full of self-indulgence. Like I've said before, it's sort of like Las Vegas meets San Francisco. I mean, it's just all the wealth and, and the port city, and it all comes together. And Paul is writing to this church to remind them about the superpower they have of choice. The, the superpower that, that allows us to focus on responsibilities and not our privileges. In other words, to live the way that Jesus lived. And the first thing we've got to confront if we're going to live with this superpower is that we do, in fact, have plenty of rights. We do. We've got a lot of them. And I don't want to live in a place that doesn't have them. And I love the ability that we have rights because it actually gives us the ability to choose. It gives us the ability to say no to something when we could easily say yes to it. That's what it means, I think, to live in a place that we call the home of the free. New Hampshire's motto, live free or die, I think might actually be the motto of America when it's all said and done. But as a result of this type of freedom, we as Americans dislike rules. Or if you're like me, you just dislike rules that don't make sense. Why can't I do that? That's what I want to know. I'll, I'll not do that when you tell me why I can't do that. You just can't. I don't like that answer. That's just who I am. That's who I think many of us are. Because we have this belief that we have this inherent you know, right to pursue whatever we want as often as we want with as many people as we want. And we've got this problem where we've got a lot of self-expression and we start to pursue all of these different things. And I think one person has got it right. As a nation, we're sort of like a bad photograph. We're underdeveloped and overexposed. And I think that that's true. And here's the problem that we've got to sort of come to, to grips with and understand is that just because we have the right to do something doesn't mean it's good for us. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's advisable. We've got a lot of rights. The Apostle Paul also is a man who's got a lot of rights. He talks about this chapter talking about his rights. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, he says this. He says, am I not free? In other words, don't I have the, the right to choose? He says, am I not an apostle? In other words, don't I have a place of privilege? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord? Aren't you the result of my work for the Lord? Even though others may not think of me as an apostle, I'm certainly one to you. You are the proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is what I say to stand up for myself when people judge me. Don't we have the right? And let's just pause because the word right here can also be translated authority. Paul says, don't we have the authority to, to do this? Don't we have the right to do this? To do what? To eat and to drink. Don't we have the right, again, that same word, authority, to take along a believing wife, a wife with us when we travel? The other apostles do. The Lord's brothers do. Peter does. 
Or are Barnabas and I the only ones who have to work for a living? Uh, this, this might not seem sort of, you know, familiar to you. So let me just kind of set the scene here for you. Paul is a traveling church planner and coach. And he's traveling from town to town, planting churches, building up churches. And yet, unlike many of the traveling evangelists of his time and our time, he didn't take money from those churches. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. He worked with his hands. He would travel from town to town. He would set up shop and he would work with tents or, or work with leather. We're not sure what that word meant, but he worked with his hands. And that is what he did. And so what he is asking the church, he says, you know, I didn't take the right to, to have you feed me and, and clothe me and, and do all these things. I didn't take this right to, to bring along a spouse with me. He said, but, but don't I have that right? Don't I have that authority? Or is it just me and Barnabas, he asked sarcastically, that have to work for a living? You see, Paul illustrates that he has a right, he has a th- authority to, to take advantage of these privileges. And he'll reference some other professions. He'll say, I am metaphorically like a farmer who plants crops with the hope of eating from the crops that he plants. He says, I'm like a shepherd. He said, I I tend a flock. He said, and what shepherd doesn't tend a flock and and also enjoy the milk that comes from the flock? He says, I'm like an ox that is is, used to tread out the grain. Some of the grain is going to be used to feed the ox. And he brings all of these metaphors to a point here in verse 11, and he says this. He says, we have planted spiritual seed among you. Is it too much to ask that we receive from you some of the things that we need? In other words, Paul's saying, I've got rights. It's within my realm of reasonableness. It's within my authority to ask for these things. And yet Paul hasn't asked for them. He's not taken advantage of his rights. He's not had the church support him. Why? Verse 12 tells us, he says, we didn't use that right. No, we have put up with everything. We didn't want to keep the good news of Christ from spreading. And here's what Paul understands, and I really want for all of us to understand this morning is this, is that our rights sometimes get in the way of our calling. Our rights sometimes get in the way of our calling. You see, Paul intentionally did not take advantage of his rights. He didn't use his rights. He didn't take the authority that he had so that the gospel could go further. He, he said, you know, listen, I have the right to be supported by the churches. He says, I don't have to have another job when I'm already working here among the church. He says, other people do that. He says, and that's good. He said, but I don't do that. And people of his day looked at Paul. And some of the people in the church said, you know what, Paul? The fact that you work with your hands and you don't take anything from us, he says, it makes us feel, you know, unsophisticated, un, uneducated. It makes us feel a little more primitive, And so what they're wanting Paul to do is actually take something from them. And Paul says, no, that's not what I want. I I want to support myself. I want to earn my way. And and he says, it's not for you. He says, it's for the people outside the church. He says, I I don't want to get paid because I don't want people outside the church to, to question my motives. And as I think about churches today and preachers that I admire and look up to, I think about, you know, different people maybe that have made the news this week and have made the news in years past. I think about a guy like Rick Warren, who after writing a New York Times bestseller, continued to live in the same house he had for over two decades, continued to drive the same 12-year-old Ford car he had. He and his wife Kay paid Saddleback everything back that they had ever paid him. And then they started reverse tithing. They, they gave away 90% and lived off of 10 And as a side note, I, you know, I'd love to do that, but that would mean I'd have to live in your house and drive your car 
and we'd have to sleep on your couch. So, you know, unless that's going to come together, uh, you know, I'm going to have to keep taking a paycheck, and, you know, that's just the way that it is, friends. Uh, but I admire a guy like that that's able to do that. And, and you look at a guy like Rick Warren, and you compare him to maybe another individual in the news uh, this week. Maybe you saw the news, a guy by the name of Jesse Duplantis. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he, he, apparently, the Lord told him that uh, he needed a new $54 million jet. Um, I told the elders that the Lord had told me that too, and they were like, I, I don't think so. You're listening to the wrong one. Um, you know, I mean, but you know, we look at Jesse Duplantis, and we're like, really, $54 million jet? Really? Is this, you need this? You, you have to have this? And then you look at a guy like Rick Warren who's driving around in his 12-year-old Ford car, and it's not hard to see who's got more credibility. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I don't want anybody to look at me and to say, you know what? You're only in this for the money. Paul's super practical. He says, I don't want to take the rights in, in, in a way that it would get in the way of me living out my calling. Paul is saying it is so much more important for us to focus on our responsibilities than our privileges. And that's what Paul does. He preaches the gospel. And, he, and even then, he says, it's not for the privileges. He says, I do it because it's my responsibility. 1 Corinthians 9, 15 through 18 said this. He says, I haven't used any of those rights. And I'm not writing because I hope you will do things like that for me. He says, I don't want it. He says, I would rather die than have anyone take away my pride in my work. He says, when I preach the good news, I can't brag. He says, I have to preach it. How terrible it will be for me if I do not preach the good news. If I preach because I want to, I get a reward. In other words, Paul says, if I got to choose to preach, he said, I, I, would, you know, I would get a reward then. He says, but I don't get to choose. It's a call. It's a burden that's been laid on me. He says, I preach because I have to. I'm only doing my duty. Then reward, reward do I get. Here's what it is. I'm able to preach the good news free of charge, and I can do it without making use of my rights when I preach it. Paul wrote simply saying, listen, I only preach the gospel because it's God's call in my life. He says, I am compelled to tell people about Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't feel entitled. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, an entitlement mentality leads us to failure. It leads us to failure everywhere, but it gets you there even faster in the church. Leaders around the world who feel entitled, what do they do? They embezzle and they abuse. They embezzle because they believe it's their right to take things, and they abuse because it's, they believe it's their right to use people. And so whether you're here as a Christ follower or not, if you want to succeed, I believe the first superpower we've got to lean into is to focus on our responsibilities, not our privileges. Otherwise, we end up with an entitlement mentality that leads us to fail. And instead of taking advantage of our rights and privileges, we sometimes have to give up our rights to finish strong. We do. Sometimes we have to say, you know what, I'm not going to take the things that I'm entitled to because I want to finish strong. Paul is going to tell us that he uses his freedom to become a slave, to reach as many people as he can. He will say, listen, all the rights I had, he said, I put them away so that way I could get in touch with as many people and share with them the good news about Jesus Christ. And he gives examples in this letter. He'll say, you know, to the Jewish folks who were living under the law, he says, I became like another Jewish person living under the law. He said, but I didn't have to live under the law. He said, I was free. He said, but I chose to do that so I could reach the Jewish folks. Now, that is his heritage. But when he goes to the Gentile people, he says, I live like the Gentiles. Why do I do that? So that way I can reach the Gentiles. 
Paul has surrendered all of his privileges so that he can embrace his responsibility. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and 22, he says this. He says, I am free. I don't belong to anyone, but I make myself a slave to everyone. I do it to win as many as I can to Christ. To those who are weak, I became weak. That was to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that in all possible ways I might save some. Paul is going to liken this type of, of, of self-control, this restraint, this saying no to that type of sacrifice required to be an Olympian. He, he will reference two sports here. He'll talk about running and how runners have to put things aside and how boxers will have to put things aside in order to win. He's going to say, listen, if you're going to succeed in anything, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And he's going to say this in 924. He said, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So what does he say? He says, you know that, don't you? So run in a way that you will get the prize. And if you think about a race or a marathon, you get people lining up. In fact, we, we went to a sort of fun run not that long ago downtown, and we were in the back of the pack. I, I wasn't running. I don't, I don't run unless somebody's chasing me. Um, but I had some, uh, my daughter was in there, and so she was going to participate with some friends of hers, and then uh, there was a whole bunch of people up front, and they were serious, okay? Like, they were stretching. They had, like, leg warmers on, and, like, they, they wanted to win. Like me, I just kind of wanted to walk over because there was a pancake breakfast that followed this, and so that's where I was going to go. Um, but there were people, like, running to win the race, and Paul says that's how we've got to come out every day. We've got to come out like we want to win this race. Uh, when we lived in Colorado, went to the U.S. Olympic Training Center there in Colorado Springs. It's their high-altitude training center. If you ever go out to Colorado, it is a beautiful place to see, and the training center really is something special. Uh, they've got pictures of folks that have trained there. A lot of you know, folks win the gold medal. Uh, they, they come out to the high-altitude training, so that way they build up their endurance. And, and so, you know, we had a guide, somebody within the Olympic program, and they're taking us on tour through the, the, the facility. And one of the places we stopped in was the cafeteria. Now, if you've been to Ryan's, this gets close, honestly. I mean, it is an all-you-can-eat buffet is what it is. I mean, and, and all of the, the calories and the nutrition information is there on a card, and they've got every kind of, like, fruit juice you could imagine. And, I mean, anything you want to eat, it is there in the U.S. Olympic training cafeteria. But I don't know about you, if you've ever seen the Olympics and you've looked at an Olympic athlete, you don't look at that Olympic athlete and say, you know what? I bet they spend a lot of time in an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's not coming to our minds. Because as you look at an athlete, you're thinking to yourself, you know, that person has a lot of self-control. Yes, they live in a place that has a 24-hour all-you-can-eat buffet, but guess what? They don't use that privilege. It's their privilege to use. Eat. They have a right to eat there anytime they want, but guess what? They don't. Why? Because they're focused on their responsibility of winning, not on the privilege of living there and eating. Friends, that's where we are. We live in a place that we've got access to so much, and yet we've got to come to grips with the fact that it is time to focus on our responsibilities, not our privileges, to put aside the things that we might think we're entitled to in order to pursue something greater. And the good news is this, is that while runners run for a temporary crown, we, along with Paul, we're running towards an eternal crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this, All who take part in the games train hard. 
He says they do it to get a crown that will not last. He says, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Friends, we make a lot of sacrifices in our life. I get that, whether it's for kids or family or to get ahead at work or to pass a class with an A or, you know, I mean, for whatever. Maybe even running in a race. And so maybe the question isn't, are we sacrificing? It's, are we sacrificing for the things that will last? Only the sacrifices we make for Jesus are going to last for eternity. And so it's important as we think about making sacrifices that we focus on those. That we focus on a responsibility, not a privilege. A guy by the name of William Borden understood this. Some of you might know William Borden's story. He was an heir to a family fortune in the late 1800s. Uh, His family made a lot of money in the silver mining uh, rush in Colorado. Uh, Made a lot of money, uh, you know, big fortune. He was a millionaire uh, in the early 1900s. That was back when a million dollars was a lot of money. Um, I'm just kidding. It's still... These are the jokes, people. All right, so back in the 1900s when a million dollars was still a lot of money. I'm going to... I didn't go over. We're not going to do that at 1030. All right. All right. Perfect. But here's the thing. So William Borden, he's got he's got all the money in the world back then. And you know what he does? He puts it all aside. He actually gives it all away. He gives it to the China Inland Mission Society because he felt a call of God in his life to become a missionary to a place uh, that we know today as Mongolia. And so he gives all of this up. And in his Bible, it is said that he wrote down the word, no reserve. In other words, he held nothing back. He didn't keep anything back. Things he was entitled to, the rights he had. He said, I I hold nothing in reserve. He he gets ready and goes through some training. And then he's going to go to Cairo, Egypt to study Islam and Arabic in preparation for his work in Mongolia. And it's said that at this point in time, he writes in his Bible the words, no retreat. In other words, I'm not going back. I'm not going back from where I've come. He goes to Egypt and he starts to work there a little bit, meet some folks, start to learn the language and, and, and a little bit about the culture. But just after a few months of living there, he contracts cerebral meningitis. And it's said that uh, as he is dying on his uh, deathbed there in Egypt, he writes in his Bible one more uh, phrase, and that is, no regrets. And he writes that because he regretted nothing of the sacrifices that he made for Jesus Christ. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. You see, I think about him, and I think about his story, and we might look at that and go, well, you know, how far did he really get? What difference did he make? And I don't know, but I know this, that he lived a life that was focused on his responsibility, not his privilege. And that he understood he had the ability to, to live a life with all of the luxuries that, that had been afforded to him. And that he probably could have found some semblance of happiness there. But he knew that if he really was going to live according to his life calling, he was going to have to put aside those privileges and pursue the call that God had put on his life. Friends, I believe the same thing is true for us today. Not that we have to sell everything and go to Cairo, Egypt and contract cerebral meningitis and, and that. But if we want to live a successful life, We've got to focus on our responsibilities, not our privileges. That we've got to live life with no reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. And I believe that today, you know, we can make a commitment to do just that. 